0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Yes. They talked me into that. And then they filmed it. And then they did it in slow motion and put it on the screen. Thank you very much. Uh, we are in the series we uh, started actually last week called um, A Life with Purpose, and, and it's centered around the big question of why. Why do you do what you do? Not just like your career or, or the role that you play, but but about your whole life. Why do you live the way that you live? Why do you do what you do? Again, and, and it leads to the ultimate why question, which is, why did God place me on this earth, why did God place you on this earth? And 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 it's really important that you find this because when you discover your life purpose, it's going to change the goals that you set. It's going to make your decision making much much easier. It's going to help you define what really matters most to you. It's going to be how you define success. It's going to it's going to um, it's going to create greater passion and enthusiasm about whatever you do, and it will be the thing that will sustain you when you get to those points that you feel like quitting and you feel like giving up because you know there's a reason why you're going to push through all of that. And so it, it really is important for every, every one of us to discover what is my life purpose. And, and some of you have never given this any thought at all. Some of us here maybe did this years ago, um, but you're in a transition stage in your life and you're wondering what does that look like for me now, at this point in my life, some of you are between jobs, some of you are looking for work, some of you have you know, moved just new into the area, and, and all of this comes to, what is my purpose? Why do I do what I do. And that is a lifelong journey. And as I said last week, my goal, my hope is to be your guide through all of this for the five weeks that we're going through this. And uh, we started last week. And if you missed last week, I really would encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast or through the app. Um, Watch the video and and catch up because last week we talked about this idea of living for an audience of one. That when God becomes your audience of one, because he made you, he knows you best, and, and he knows where your strengths are. He created you for a purpose. So it starts with that relationship with him. Today we're going to talk about the second part of it, which has to do with community. Because you don't discover your life purpose all by yourself. You discover it in relationship with other people. And that's why the church, that's why God designed the church, actually, so that we would be a place where people could come and discover how God created them and what he created them to do and why he created them to do it. And so each of these things that we're talking about in these five weeks really go to our core values as a church, why we exist, why we do what we do together as a church body. And today we're going to be talking about this this idea of being a community, a grace-filled community. Because to discover your life purpose, you are going to need other people in your life. And, and it's important that we as a church are a grace-filled community, which means every one of us has to be living with grace, has to be filled with grace, has to be extending grace. Because, because if only half of us do this, then we're only a half-filled grace community, okay? And we don't want that. We want to be a grace-filled community. So we're in the book of Romans, chapter 12 particularly is where we started last week, and we're going to continue there. And, and the idea behind all of this is your best life is going to be a meaningful, purposeful life. And that purposeful life comes out of how God created you, what he created you to do, and why he created you to do it. It comes out of your relationship with him. So Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse five, 4 and 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse 9. Just as, the, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, he gives a lot of instructions in that little section, but they all have to do with your relationships and particularly how those relationships work to form and shape you for the purpose that God has shaped you for. And that's, that's really the thing. more than anything else, God uses people to shape people. And so you need people in your life to discover your life purpose. So today I want to talk about the kinds of people that you were going to need in your life to do this and four different types of people. And you're going to need all of them. And some people will fit more than one category. But I want to start with this one. To find your life purpose, you're going to need people in your life who accept you just just the way that you are. Who would accept you as is. Because God designed you to be you. And and if you're trying to be somebody else, you're never going to discover your life purpose. If you're trying to be what other people think you ought to be, you will not discover your own purpose life purpose. Um, One of my favorite programs, my wife and I watch, um, we like to watch a lot of the cooking shows and the cooking competitions and there's one called Chopped. Uh, Anybody seen this program? It's a competition of chefs and it starts out with four chefs and they have to this basket of ingredients of strange food that I have never heard of or seen, but they've got to make a meal out of it. It starts with an appetizer course and then then an entree and then a dessert. And so one by one, they get eliminated down to, you know, they get chopped and they get down to the last two. And at the beginning of the program, each chef introduces themselves, where they work and what they do, and, 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 and why they're on the show. And over and over again, I see this happen, um, that they say, the reason I'm on this show is I wanna to prove to my parents that the path that I've chosen is the path that God, that, not God, the path that I need to take. And, and very often, very often, they will say, my parents wanted me to be a doctor. And I thought that would be an interesting case study. How is it that all these would-be doctors end up as chefs? You know, is there something with the cutting stuff or I don't know what it is. But, but, but they're trying to prove to their parents something that this is their life path, not their parents' life path for them. And so often we, we, we pursue what we think other people want us to pursue and, and become what other people want us to become. And you, you're never going to find your life purpose doing that. God designed you to be You. And so, like we said last week, you're going to have to be honest with yourself, but to do that, you need to be in a community of people that allow you to be who you really are. And that's what a grace-filled community is all about, that people are accepted just the way that they are, that this is a safe place and this is a safe group of people in which you can discover what God has for you. Romans 12, 5 puts it this way, in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs To all the others. You need that kind of a community. He goes on. He says, so accept one another just as Christ accepted you. I believe that the church ought to be the most accepting, most loving, most welcoming place on this earth. That the church ought to be the most accepting, most welcoming, most loving people on this earth. That's what God has called us to do because God is love and we are to be an extension of his love. And your life purpose is an extension of his greater purpose in this world, his redemptive purpose in this world. And you cannot do that without love, without acceptance. (laughs) Acceptance, see, not only allows us to become the person we are, but to become the person God created us to be. And that's so important. And whether you're here in Benicia or in our Vallejo campus or joining us online, I really do believe that God has that purpose for your life, but you need that community of faith where you can be who you are and become who God created you to be. He goes on. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, he says, love must be sincere. In other words, not not pretend. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be unhypocritical. And you say, well, how can I love people that I don't like? Because if I don't like someone, but I'm supposed to love them, and I just act like I love them, isn't that being hypocritical? No, it's not. No, it's not, because love has less to do with how you feel. He doesn't say love must feel sincere. He says it must be sincere. And love isn't so much about feelings. It's about how you act and how you treat people. You can treat people with love. You can treat people with acceptance. You can treat people with respect, whether you agree with them or not, whether you like them or not. And acceptance and love is not approval. Approval. You can even accept and love people that you don't approve of their behavior. Love is not restricted to the people that you approve of. In fact, he goes on, he says, So hate what is evil, cling to what is good, but be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You need a community. You need people in your life who accept you just the way that you are. And to love somebody is to want the best for them, to see the best in them, and to try and bring out the best. And you can do that with people you don't even like. You need those people in your life, and you need to be that kind of person for others. Second type of people. To find your life purpose, you're going to need people who will support you in any situation. Because your journey and living out your purpose, that is going to be filled with peaks and valleys. There are going to be times when you are driving on a nicely paved highway, and there's going to be times when you're hitting potholes. (laughs) And on that journey, there are going to be times when you're going to come to detours, you're going to come to dead ends, and you're going to need other people to help you through and navigate through those difficult times. And it's people in your life that can come alongside you and be with you no matter what. There's an interesting study done not too long ago, Daniel Coleman, um, writes about it in his book, um, Working with Emotional Intelligence. And they did a study where they put three people, three strangers in a room. Um, and they did this with a number of, number of different groups of people. Just three people, three strangers, together in a room for two minutes in total silence. And, and that was just the whole thing. Just sit for two minutes with this group of people in total silence. And what they found was that emotions are catchy. You can catch an emotion like you catch a cold. Because what they found out was, in, just in a group of three people, the one who was most emotionally expressive transferred their emotion to the other two people. Whether they were happy, everybody else left that room happier. If they were sad, those people left that room just a little bit more down than they went into. They were anxious or fearful, that, that permeated through. And, and one person could affect two other people just by being expressive of their emotions. Scripture puts it this way. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. You need people in your life who can sit with you through the difficult times. Henry Nouwen puts it this way. When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our life means the most to us, we often find that it is those who instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face us with the reality of our own powerlessness, that is a friend who cares. And you need those people in your life. And you need to be that person for other people. Because again, that will be an extension of, of God's purpose. And with those kinds of people, you will learn to discover your own life purpose. Remember what we said when we first started this series last week? We said, your life purpose is going to come down to two things. It is going to be your contribution, your contribution, what you have to give somewhere else. It's not about you and what you have to get. Your life purpose is going to be about what you give, and it's going to include how you make a difference or the impact that you have. It's not just that you give, but you do it in, a, in an impactful way. And sometimes that's just hanging with people who are going through difficulties. That'll only happen if you start paying attention to the people around you. You need those kinds of people in your life. You need to be that kind of a person for someone else. Third type of people. You're going to need people in your life who will challenge you outside of your comfort zone, beyond your comfort zone. Because full, fulfilling your purpose is not about comfort. Again, it's about not what you get, it's about what you give. And that will be uncomfortable. It's not about comfort. It's about meaning, and it's about fulfillment. More than anything else, it's about passion. It's, this is what I'm giving my life to. Paul wrote, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor Serving the Lord. In other words, don't lose your passion. And what I have found with people who lose that sense of purpose about what they're doing and they just start going through the motions or just fulfilling that role, once they lose that sense of why, they lose their passion. And over a period of time, they're just putting in their time. And they're just kind of trying, going through the motions, knowing what's expected of them. But they have no excitement, no enthusiasm, no passion about it. Paul says, maintain your passion. Knowing your purpose and having people who will push you because that's what happens. The first step to becoming passionless is when you just start doing things the way you always did them. Because that's when you fall into that routine which becomes a rut and then you're just doing it, doing it, doing it and you forget why. And so you gotta be growing all the time. You gotta have people in your life who are kind of pushing you forward. Now I think there's Three types of people who can challenge you beyond, beyond your um, comfort zone. Those are, first of all, people who will push you. And those are kind of, um, now I don't know firsthand about this, but I've, I've heard that people who join a gym um, will often hire like a personal trainer. I've heard of these things. I have never experienced it firsthand. I've never joined a gym. But I understand the idea behind a personal trainer is they push you a little bit beyond your limits when you think you can only do you know, 10 push-ups, they'll push you to do at least 11. And they'll cheer you on and they'll push you and they'll say, just one more, just one more, just one more. And when you think you can't do one more, they're the person that pushes you to do just that one more. And when you do one more and then one more and then one more the next time and the next time, you grow stronger. And you need those kinds of people in your life. Hebrews 10, 24 puts it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need to be people who are pushing us. We need to be people who can push people just a little bit. I've had people like that in my life. I'll tell you about one of them. His name is Gus Christensen. Actually, he has passed away uh, long ago. He was an elder in our church in San Francisco. And I was on the pastoral staff of Bethel Christian Church, San Francisco. and, And we were just in the beginning stages of thinking about maybe planting a daughter church um, out in the East Bay area. And, and I was just beginning to think that maybe I, it's something that I should consider. And he came to me after one of our Sunday services one day. He came up to me afterwards and he said, you're not supposed to be here. I wasn't quite sure how to take that. <laughs> it's like, what did I do wrong? Okay, he's trying to get rid of me. What's it? He said, no, no. He says, I'm just telling you, you're not supposed to be here. God has something else for you. That's all he said. He had no idea what was going on in my life. He had no idea what we were thinking about or what we were considering. But that one word got me thinking in a whole different direction. We need people who will speak those kinds of things into our lives. We need to be willing to speak those kinds of things into other people's lives. People who will push you. Another in this category are people who will benefit from you fulfilling your life purpose. Because like I said, it's going to be about your contribution and where it makes a difference, where it has an impact. So you're going to have to start paying attention to people who could benefit if you started fulfilling your life purpose. If you start thinking about and looking for, you know what, I could do that. I could meet that need. I could fulfill that. I could, I could, I could. And you start looking at the need and who could benefit from it. That will also help you find your life purpose. Verse 14, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In other words, pay attention to the needs around you. They will help you define your life purpose. When you see where there's a need and you have an ability to fulfill it, that will likely lead you towards finding your life purpose. And then the last one is in this category is people who can recognize your gifts, who can see things in you that you can't see. I told you about Gus Christensen. There's another one. His name is Lionel Johnson. Lionel Johnson actually happens to be the father of Megan Friedman, who's our campus director over at our Vallejo church. He came to me one day, and this was way, way back when I was still in college. And, um, and I was going to be an architect. I had it all planned out. You know, my, my dad was a building contractor, and I worked summers for him, and I said, I didn't want that end of the profession, okay? I wanted to be the guy in the nice, clean office designing what those people out there had to do. Okay, so I was going to be an architect. I loved the building trade. I just didn't want to do that for my life. I wanted to be an architect. So I was going to school. I was studying to be an architect. And, and he came to me one day. One of those things, he was also a member of the church at San Francisco I was growing up in at that time, back in college. And he just came to me one day out of the blue and he just said, I'm not telling you God's telling me to tell you this, okay? I'm just saying, I have noticed in you a pastor's heart. And that one word from him Started me thinking again in a new direction because he saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. He said, You've got some gifts, you've got some, you've got a kind of a calling here, I think. You ought to at least consider it. See, those are the kinds of people who will push you out of your comfort zone, who see things in you that you can't see in yourself. Again, Romans 12, verses 7 and 8 this time. He says, find your gift, and if it's serving, then serve. And if it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, find your gift and do it. Do it. We actually have a class that's going to be coming up next month called Finding Your Fit, and it'll help you discover where your giftings are. In fact, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, and you can go more in depth in the class. But but find out where God has gifted you, and then start using it. And then recognize giftings in other people, because very often they don't see it in themselves. And a word to them might make a difference. Now, be careful of your words. Um, My wife, Betty, actually... She didn't, when we first started the church and we first planted Northgate and everything, she didn't tell me this So, like we were 10 years into it and the church had kind of got established and was actually going at the time. But she told me later um, that when we first started, she actually thought to herself, who's going to want to come and listen to him preach? <laughs> now, in all fairness, I hadn't done a whole lot of preaching, okay? In all honesty, I kind of had that thought myself. So, you know, be careful with that word. Get the right word of encouragement at the right time. Um, but but, but she, she did see something. She at least knew I could preach. <laughs> but, but that's the idea. You need people who will push you beyond your comfort zone. And then the last one is this. You need people who will help you learn how to love. Because like I said, your purpose is going to be an extension of God's purpose in this world. It's going to be an extension of His love in this world. And so... You need to learn how to love. I need to learn how to love. And that is a lifelong journey as well. You're constantly learning how to love. And these will not always be people who like you or that you like. They may not be people you like at all, but you can learn how to love them. He says, love must be sincere. Remember? He goes on. He says, love Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In other words, practice, practice love. Genuine love is something that must be learned. You, know, you, you probably already know this. There are, there are different types of relationships. There are some relationships that are very replenishing uh, the people that, that you just love to be around when you've made a, a, an appointment or, or scheduled a dinner or something. You just look forward to it. You, just, you love to be around these people. You look forward to spending time with them. And when you go away from time with them, you always feel just a little bit better, a little bit replenished, a little bit filled up. And then there are people in your life that you might call um, depleting relationships. These are the kinds of people that you really try to avoid. It's just miserable to be around. And when you go away from them, you feel totally drained. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Anybody sitting next to that person? No. (laughs) The thing is, you're going to need both to teach you how to love. You're going to need both. You're going to need those people who are replenishing. And you're going to need those people who are depleting. Because it's learning how to love. By the way, just so you know, you are somebody else's depleting person. You are. Yeah, I know you, it's hard to believe, but you really are. You are. But God designed the church and created us all differently so that in a community, a grace-filled community, we can be who we are and become who God created us to be. We can find that support network, like a community group. We can find the opportunity to discover our gifts and start to use them in serving the Lord. And we can together learn how to love. That is the genius of the church. It is God's idea. And it is for each and every one of us' individual benefit, but also for the benefit of the faith community and beyond that, benefit for our greater community, ultimately for our world. God designed His church to be a place where we practice love. In a moment, we're going to close our service together, sharing together in something called communion. It is that tangible reminder that Jesus gave His followers and us, now 2,000 years later. And it's not just a reminder about our relationship with Him. He talks about His broken body, His shed blood. But it's also a reminder his brokenness is not just about my own healing and my own wholeness. He now calls us the body of Christ. And it's about a wholeness of community. And that's why we share together in community. So we're going to do that in a moment. But it really comes down to this. Verse 18, Paul just kind of sums the whole thing up. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, in other words, doing your part, live at peace with everyone. God designed His church to be a place and a people where you can find belonging and becoming and believing. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to turn this over to uh, your campus host over there in Vallejo as we go through this decision time. So here in this room, it's about decision. It's about commitment. It's about follow through. It's, it's about hearing God's word and then responding to it. So let me ask you a couple of questions. First question is this one. Who in your life can you count on? Who is it in your life that you know accepts you just the way that you are? Who supports you in all kinds of different situations? that you know you can count on and call on, but it's also someone who will challenge you to make you the best version of yourself. Do you have anyone? Hopefully more than one. Because if not, then maybe today, maybe the response today for you is just to make a commitment, a commitment to community. Say, I need to go deeper in my relationships. That might be being a part of a community group and joining in. And start doing life with other people and making yourself maybe a little bit vulnerable but also discovering some life-giving relationships. Second question is this one. For whom are you that person? Is there anybody in your life that knows that they can call on you and count on you? That you accept them just the way that they are? That you are there to support them in whatever they're going through? And that you're kind of prompting and pushing to be the best version of themselves? Either way, it's really about deepening our commitment with each other. It's about becoming a grace-filled community by individually, each and every one of us, choosing to be grace-filled. So today, God's been speaking to your heart about deeper commitment to community, either on the receiving end or the giving end. And you're willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take that next step. Because I know in there I'm also going to find your purpose for my life. And if you're there today, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you and with you as we close. Just yeah. 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 It is really about being together. And, and when you miss out, we all miss out. So that commitment is so vital and so important for all of us. Now maybe you're here today and maybe it really starts with your relationship with God because He knows you. He made you. He has a plan for your life but you've never submitted to His plan. You've been doing your own thing and doing life your own way. And, and maybe there's failure or mistakes or mistakes. Sin that just needs to be dealt with. And maybe today it's a first step of faith for you, just an acknowledgement that, God, I cannot do this on my own, that I need your forgiveness, I need your grace, what you did on that cross, I want it to apply to my life. Would you forgive me, and would you give me that new sense of purpose? I'm going to put my life in your hands starting today. And if you've never done that, but today it's a first step of faith for you, would you do the same thing? Just raise your hand. Look up, catch my eye. I want to see you and acknowledge you. Lead you in a prayer as we close. All right. Oh, Lord. You who know us best. Who see the depths of our hearts. Who knows why we are created and the purpose that you have for us. By raising our hands today, we're saying we're taking that next step. That we're committing ourselves to community. To being a part of somebody else's life, other people's lives. Where we can make a difference and where they can make a difference for us. Happens in your church. Today, Lord, we are raising our hands and saying, I'm making that commitment. To follow you. To be a part of your family.